Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Monday, November 4th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. On today's show, we are going to start getting into Michigan State and Kentucky. Champions Classic is tomorrow night, uh, scheduled for a 9.30 tip, but History tells us it'll probably tip off like, I don't know, midnight, three in the morning, somewhere in there, you know, I don't know, 10 o'clock, something like that. Way, way too late. Get a nap in, start preparing now to uh, be up later than you want to for the Champions Classic. But we're going to start talking about it today. I will uh, lay out some things that uh, I think you should know about Kentucky. You know, they're ranked number two. They got some really good players, a little bit more experience than uh, you might think of a typical Kentucky team. So we'll talk about them. Uh, We'll see how the timing breaks down. But I plan on, you know, segment two and three, just talking about them and some different matchup-y type things. Um, You know, kind of half preview, half primer. And then tomorrow, Sheehan's going to be on, and we're just going to jump into this game and hype it up and get crazy about it. So we'll do some preview stuff, some matchup talk. With that as well, things to be on the lookout for where Michigan State might have an advantage. So we'll do that in segments two and three. I want to use segment one, though, to talk a little bit of football, just real quick, and then we're going to be done with football for a couple days. Promise. One segment. Um, I want to talk about Michigan State, Illinois. The The line, the gambling line uh, came out. Uh, it's you know 11.50 here Sunday evening as I record. The line came out, I think, seven hours ago uh, from the first spots, the offshore spots, and now the onshore casinos and sports books are starting to set lines. So I want to talk about that and how it's being bet and just sort of how perception is kind of playing a role here. So I'm going to do that just real quick off the jump. And then we will talk about some basketball because it is, uh, I, I'll say it, it's officially basketball season. We are here. We have made it. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day. We've also got uh, season preview stuff up at SpartansWire, spartanswire.usatoday.com. I believe today is um, season predictions, uh, outlook, stuff like that. And then tomorrow is best case, worst case scenario. So that is up spartanswire.usatoday.com. That'll be published at some point. It's not my post. I'm just contributing to it. So I do not know when the author will get around to publishing it. Hopefully it is up by the time you listen to this. All right, let's talk about football. Okay. So Michigan state uh, is playing Illinois here after a bye week. Illinois, I think, is on a three-game winning streak right now. Um, the Fighting Illini are, for, <laughs> for their standard, absolutely rolling. Um, they were picked by, can, uh, yeah, every single Big Ten uh, writer who was surveyed this preseason, if I'm remembering correctly, picked them to finish last in the Big Ten West. That's certainly not going to happen. Um, they have won... Yeah, there you go. Three of their last, they won three in a row, and they've got five wins on the season because they played freaking two of the worst college football teams in the country in Akron and Connecticut to start the season. So they're a win off of bowl eligibility. They got Michigan State, Iowa, Northwestern. Um, so they got a chance here, that Northwestern game for sure. That's going to be their, their senior night at home. That's their big spot if they can't get it against Michigan State, Iowa. Probably be a little bit of a, a tougher task for them. But. 
Illinois is winning three in a row coming into this game hot, right? And Michigan State is coming into this game off of three straight beatdowns at the hands of top 10 teams. And <laughs> morale within the fan base on each side could not be in, in different further apart. Illinois is sky high right now, and Michigan State is absolutely just tanking uh, in terms of morale. And so I did something on Twitter. I asked uh, some followers, what are your guesses for the opening line? Um, because I, I just wanted to make a point here. I said MSU minus seven. And then after I said that, the SP plus rankings updated and Michigan State is like 12 points better uh, on a neutral field than Illinois projected. Um, and that doesn't incorporate Joe Bocci into the factor and then just how the teams are playing. So I, I would have edged up closer to 10, you know, like nine and a half, 10 or something like that uh, with that information. But I, I threw out MSU minus seven and asked for, you know, other suggestions. And I'm just going to go through here and read some uh, Illinois minus one, MSU minus two and a half, MSU minus 11 and a half. That's a nice guess there. Uh, Illinois minus three, MSU minus five and a half, MSU minus nine and a half. Pick them, pick them, three and a half, five and a half, MSU minus 10, um, MSU minus two and a half, MSU minus nine, MSU plus three and a half, MSU minus six. Um, I love MSU, but there's not no way they should be giving points to anyone, especially a TD, which is something they haven't delivered weekly since 2016. Illinois should be minus three and a half. So that's just... <laughs> <laughs> we really ran the gamut there from Illinois being a three and a half point favorite to 11 and a half. And it opens at 13 and a half at Circus Sports uh, and Vegas Insider, which is, you know, a circus actually uh, onshore, but Vegas Insiders, usually you get how it works is you get the offshore lines first and then their bet and then the onshore, you know, legal uh, gambling places, quote unquote, legal in America, gambling places, uh, sort of analyze that and then set their lines kind of after the fact. But Circus Sportsbook has been setting the earliest lines this year, which is really cool. But they opened up at three and a half. Vegas Insiders had everyone at 13 and a half. Um, and as of right now, uh, bet 365 is the only one with it up. Uh, and they set it at opening at Michigan State minus 11 and a half. Um, so I just want to take a moment here for everyone to take a deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth, in through your nose, out through your mouth. Yes, it has been really bad. Um, went into the season with championship expectations and now half the fan base wants the coach fired. Uh, the other half, most of the other half wants him to retire and 5% are yelling at the other 95% about John L. Smith. Hasn't been going well. But we need to do something that is difficult, I think, for a lot of people. Um, and it's not any flaw. It's something that happens to everyone, and it's recency bias. Um, recency bias is the most blinding thing when it comes to like studying human behavior and predictions. Uh, it is the single most uh, determining factor of like pushing something towards being incorrect. Like we will ignore a large sample size and eschew all that information for a much smaller sample size because it happened recently. Like 
If you ask anyone who's the best team in Major League Baseball, they'll all say the Washington Nationals. But we have a 162-game sample size that shows that that's not true. But they just beat the other team. That means they're better. Well, no, they were better for the seven-game stretch. You, you get what I'm saying here. If you look at the last three weeks, yeah, I guess it's fair to think Illinois is better than Michigan State. Illinois beat Wisconsin. Illinois handled uh, lowly Purdue and lowly Rutgers. Michigan State got thudded, thudded by Ohio State, Wisconsin. Were you know they got beat up by Penn State too. That wasn't a competitive game, and so the last three weeks would suggest you know Illinois is peaking, Michigan State's plummeting, and to a certain amount that you know it plays a factor here it, it certainly has shifted the line if you would have set this line 3 weeks ago it would have been like 17 20 somewhere in there um but it also completely ignores the fact that these teams played games before those games Illinois is 5 and 4 Michigan State is or yeah whatever Illinois is they lost 1 2 Three, four. Yeah, Illinois is five and four. Michigan State's four and four. Um, and if you take away Illinois' three wins, you've got like more of their schedule to look at. You can't just pick the three games uh, that are the most recent and say they carry the most weight. You know, Illinois lost by thirty-three or twenty-three. Excuse me to to Minnesota. They lost to Nebraska. Nebraska is a very bad football team. They lost to Eastern Michigan. Yes, it was middle of September, but they lost to Eastern Michigan. And they were getting housed by Michigan, came back a little bit, and beat them, or got beat by them uh, by 17. And frankly, um, Michigan is uh, very shaky still, uh, I think. So, you know, you beat Purdue by 18. Purdue's been really bad this season. Is going to miss a bowl. Has been incredibly injured. You beat Rutgers by 28. Uh, everyone beats Rutgers by 28, except for Michigan State last season. Um, you know, beating Wisconsin is nothing to shake a stick at. Um, but it's still Illinois. It's not as bad. Like, Illinois is playing well for their standards. Uh, they're still a fringe bowl team. They're, just because they're no longer a bottom-of-the-barrel Power 5 team, just because they're not one of the worst teams in the country doesn't mean they're a team that you should fear. Um, they're, like I said, a middle-of-the-pack bowl team. They're in the 60s, mid-60s in SP+. Here, I'll pull it up right now. I lied. They're 57th. They're 57th in SP+, uh, slightly above-average team in all of college football. They have the number 67 offense, so a little bit better than Michigan State on offense, but not much better. 51st on defense, so you know, slightly, slightly above average defense. Uh, and then they have good special teams. So good for them. Number six in special teams. Um, and Michigan State, so they're 57th. Michigan State is 29th uh, in SP+. It's just, you know, there, there's a still, despite everything that's going on, there's still a pretty decent talent discrepancy between these two teams. Um you know, and Michigan State has, when they haven't played elite defenses, which they've really struggled with the four really good defenses they've played, uh, they've looked okay on offense. And I think they're, you know, they're not a good offense. They're 
uh, an average. Right now, they're a below average offense, but they have been kind of right around average. They were slightly above average at a point this season. You know, I think they can be an average offense closer to above average when they play inferior opponents. That's just kind of how they stacked up. And Illinois does some things well, but Illinois is not a team that's going to be bringing some horses into this game. They're not bringing NFL talent. It's a game where Michigan State should be able to find running room, stay out of the chains, and put together some drives. Now, I don't blame you for not having any confidence in them at all because of what's happened over the last month. Um, But they are, when they play teams like Illinois, and Illinois is worse than Indiana, they're better than Northwestern, um, they're a little better than Western Michigan. Um, when they play teams like Illinois, they've been significantly better. Um, and that is something where I think maybe they're not going to be as good as they've been on offense in prior games, like the Northwestern game or the Indiana game or the, the Western Michigan game. But I think they'll be closer to competent. You know, scoring in the mid-20s isn't an outrageous thought against Illinois. Um, but we'll see. You know, they don't <laughs> haven't had much reason to inspire confidence. I don't blame you for not being confident. But I think we all need to take a collective step back and just sort of take a broader view, remind ourselves that uh, Illinois is a team that lost to Eastern Michigan. Illinois is a team that only beat Kentucky by eight. They beat Purdue by 18. Uh, Purdue is very, very bad at football. <laughs> And Purdue just beat Nebraska. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's kind of a, a mess in the Big Ten West. And Illinois is looking slightly competent. And that makes them look significantly better than, you know, we're used to them. And it makes you feel like, oh, no, Illinois. Oh, crap. Um, they're, it's not a guaranteed win by any stretch. But Michigan State should be able to win this thing comfortably if they just, you know, kind of play well. All right. Enough football for a couple days. We're going to turn the page here and start basketball season uh, and start previewing, primering, whatever you want to call it, getting to know the Kentucky Wildcats and how they might match up with Michigan State and interesting things to look out for. So we'll do that here in just a minute. Okay, so Champions Classic is here after a long, long wait thanks to this awful football season. Basketball season has finally arrived. Uh, number one versus number two in the AP poll to tip off the season. Doesn't happen too often. Uh, super exciting. I think Kentucky, I read, has been in eight uh, one versus two matchups all time and is five and three. Uh, I'm not, I think Michigan State's been in just a couple. Um, but still, really exciting. Like, it, it's finally a night where there's no NFL. Um, the eyes of, uh, I think there's a Mac college football game. <laughs> yes. Tuesday night Maction is back. Uh, but the eyes of the, the sporting world kind of turn on college basketball for a little bit here, right off the jump. Um, a wonderful brainchild idea that Mark Hollis and some other ADs came up with, um, and just an awesome event. And it's been really great. And this one is, is primed to be one of the best ones ever. You got the top four teams in the country all under one roof. Uh, and it's going to be awesome. Michigan State takes on Kentucky in the one versus two matchup. And uh, Kentucky is really good. Not surprising. <laughs> they're always really good. And they're a little bit more uh, experienced than I think we're used to. Uh, we remember the Champions Classic last year where Duke uh, beat Kentucky by 730 points. 
kind of made a statement there. That was a really young team that was relying on a lot of freshmen, and Kentucky's always kind of relying on freshmen to a certain extent just with how well they recruit and send guys to the next level. Uh, and and this year's no exception. They've got really outstanding recruits. Uh, just here, I got their their um, commit list up here. Tyrese Maxey, Khalil Whitney, and Keon Brooks are all five-star players in the top 24 in the country. Then you got Johnny Juzang, who is uh, a stretch. Well, he's not a really stretch for him. He's a wing who shoots it. He's a shooter, one of the best shooters in the country out of high school. Number 33 player in the country. And then Deontay Allen, who's another four-star player, number 111 in the country. So, Number one recruiting class in the SEC, number two in the country, uh, and they're only number two in the country because Memphis uh, brought in an absolutely insane class <laughs> that is like seven dudes, two five stars, five four stars. Uh, Kentucky has the second highest uh, average star rating, if you will. So uh, them and Duke really have the the two best recruiting class if classes, if you're uh, asking me. But great recruiting class, but a little bit more. Uh, experience center you're used to with Kentucky. So let's talk kind of about why. I'll start with a couple of sophomores that are going to be starting for Kentucky and the biggest contributors for Kentucky off the jump. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to play out this way ultimately for them, right? Tyrese uh, Maxey is the guy that everyone's kind of really loving uh, out of this recruiting class, although Khalil Whitney and Keon Brooks are kind of like right there in terms of pro potential. But uh, off the jump here, I think they'll kind of be relying on some returners. So Ashton Hagens uh, is the first guy that I want to talk about. I'm not sure, you know, I've been reading uh, different things, uh, game recaps and stuff like that, and just sort of going through some stuff. Ashton Hagens was an all-SEC defensive player last year, Um, had a ton of steals, I think 66 or, or some big number. I, I don't know if that's a big number. I'm forgetting the numbers, um, but had a bunch of steals uh, and is just a renowned perimeter defender. He's 6'3", 198. I would imagine he's going to be checking Cassius Winston uh, for extended period of time. They kind of run, so it'll be Ashton Hagens, who's 6'3", um, and then Emmanuel Quickly, who's also 6'3", and Tyrese Maxey, who's also 6'3". Those are kind of three guards that are going to see a lot of time for them, and then they'll do some interesting things at forward. Uh, and center if they even use the center uh, but they're going to be using a lot of guards and they're all kind of that mid-size thing no one uh, is small as Cassius um, but no one who's like you know they've had the oh, the Harrison brothers who were like six seven point guards and six seven shooting guard they don't have that little bit more normal size guards uh, if you will so Ashton Hagens is going to be a guy who's going to be checking Cassius Winston a lot and is someone who has been scoring for them uh, in their preseason, they had a pretty lengthy exhibition uh, season. They played a few games, including Georgetown. Um, but Ashton Hagens is a guy who can uh, shoot it a little bit from deep. Um, it's something he needs to improve on, but I've read that he has improved on it. Like he shot 28% last year, which isn't great, but I've heard it's gotten better. Uh, but in shot well from the free throw line suggests he can do that. It has a decent assist rate, and this is going to kind of be the point guard uh, distributor compared to the other guys that I'm going to talk about. So, uh, yeah, 3.4 is his steal percentage. Uh, got a ton of steals. Uh, and is a guy who can draw fouls, gets a line, and hit him with a good rate. So he's a good offensive player, going to be distributing, going to have the ball in his hands a lot, uh, and is going to be primarily tasked with checking Cassius Winston. And that's going to be a really interesting matchup because, uh, you know, 
all SEC defensive team as a freshman coming back, uh, improving in other aspects of the game. Now getting asked to sort of take a step up and, uh, you know, do more on offense. We'll see if that impacts his defense, but it seems like he's a really good defender. Um, there you go. He had 10 steals in their three preseason uh, games. So that's pretty solid <laughs> little rate there. So that's something to look out for, especially with the way Michigan State uh, doesn't handle the ball particularly well in the uh, early going. Uh, the next guy I need to talk about is Emmanuel Quickly, who is their reportedly their best player right now. He's another sophomore um, who did some things last year, was in a, a shorter role because uh, guys like Tyler Hero were ahead of him. Um, you know, PJ Washington played on the wing more, but Keldon Johnson's another guy who's a pro, and Ashton Higgins, who we were just talking about. Um, so Emmanuel quickly is going to be like their their off ball guard. He's going to play some point guard, but he's leading them in scoring uh, here in the exhibition. And it's by reporters' accounts and just, you know, the things I've been reading, uh, is the best player on the team. Shot mid-30s last year from three, but shot 83% from the free throw line. So he's another guy who can shoot it and has done, I guess, a really good job getting to uh, the lane, making plays in there, kind of uh, an athletic guy, good with the ball in his hands, can sort of beat you off the dribble, get to the free throw line. Uh, His free throw rate wasn't outstanding last year. It's just okay, but I imagine... Uh, it's actually pretty good now that I'm looking at it. Um, so he's another guy that is going to have the ball in his hands a lot when they're on offense, and I think they're going to run a lot of things through him. So Emmanuel quickly, that would be, I, I think, well, and we'll see, Rocket Watts, I would imagine, is going to get quickly there, and that's going to be a really fun matchup um, because Rocket, they're similar size, probably similar athleticism. Uh, Rocket is reportedly just a dog defensively and quickly is a guy who is someone uh, who can get to the lane. So that's going to be really interesting. So he's another guy to look out for there, Emmanuel quickly. And then the other guard that they're going to use a lot uh, is Tyrese Maxey, who's the number 10 recruit in the country. Uh, one of the top sort of combo guards um, reportedly struggling with shooting kind of is he reminds me a lot of Rocket Watts. Just what I'm reading about him. Uh, really athletic guy can get to the lane can play both point guard and combo guard. Shot it a ton in high school, but the shot hasn't come along yet in college. Um, but he's someone who's got really you know high upside pro potential, who's going to do a little bit of both of what uh, Hagen's and quickly does. He's going to be asked to score and defend. Every basketball player is asked to score and defend. Um, but he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. And I was just reading a, a you know takeaways from their exhibition season from the athletic. And seems like they're going to be using those three a lot, a lot of three guard lineups and, you know, three guys at six, three playing a ton of minutes is interesting because, you know, it kind of, you remember those old Villanova teams that were like four guards in a big, uh, it's a little bit like that where they can create some mismatches and do some things that are, are going to be tough on a lot of teams. But I think with Michigan state, that sets up decently well for them. Aaron Henry, I like him to hang with anyone at that size um, and be bigger and stronger than those guys right now um, and, and just sort of have an advantage uh, on the defensive end there. And same with Rocket Watts. I think he can hang with them. And so that lo- sort of swing spot there with Henry at the three, I think that that's something that can play into Michigan State's hands. And then after that, uh, Kentucky – it seems like they're really confident in their three guards. Uh, but after that, it's kind of like 
and we'll see. Uh, they have some real issues in the front court, and we're going to talk about those here in just a minute. Real quick, tell you about Roman. Not a full thing about Roman, but erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Okay, so Kentucky's got these three guards that are really good players that are really athletic, all similar in different ways or similar in terms of size, but do things a little bit differently, a little bit better scoring and, and quickly. Maxie's got to uh, adjust to the college game a little bit. And then Hagens is a defensive stopper that can shoot it a little bit and does some nice things offensively from the point guard spot. So those are three kind of steady things that they've got there. Um, but it gets interesting when they move to forward. So uh, they got a couple recruits there that are really promising. Khalil Whitney and Keon Brooks are both wings. Uh, you know, 6'6", 190 for Whitney, 6'7", 185 for Brooks. Brooks has been getting um, pretty good reviews in the early season, and Whitney has as well. But it's always, you know, Whitney, I think it was their first exhibition game put up like zero 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 like had no stats and he said it was the first time in his career he's done that so there is some adjustment that is going to be needed there and then uh the other guy that they've brought in is johnny juzang uh, i hope i'm saying that right another six six guy wing number 33 player in the class who's like this renowned shooter but has kind of struggled in the early going getting the shooting uh rolling which is uh something that can be a tough transition as we've seen with rocket watts uh, you know, moving back, it doesn't seem like much, but moving back a couple of feet can really, uh, when you've been shooting at a certain distance your entire life, there's an adjustment there. So those are the three like wing forwardy type guys that they're going to be using a lot. And they're all freshmen and, and we'll see how the adjustment is. I like uh, Aaron Henry anytime they go with a little bit bigger lineup and use multiple wings like that. We'll see about Arns, but I like the experience of Arns in in a spot like this, a big early season game. And if Arns' ankle is okay and can go, uh, his athleticism is completely undervalued and he can hang with guys like this. I like uh, someone like Gabe Brown in a matchup like that. I just like how Michigan State has similar players there, uh, maybe not as high professional upside, not as highly recruited, but are still, you know, more experienced and guys who've kind of been through an entire season and aren't going to be, you know, still adjusting to this game. Uh, they're going to be, you know, Gabe Browns shouldn't be adjusting to college basketball anymore. He should be figuring out how to be the most effective player he can be at, at this level. Like he's already sort of, you, you get over those moments where you're like, oh, oh crap, everyone is fast. <laughs> what am I doing? Um, so I do like that, especially early uh, in the season here. And then if you move into the front court, this is where it gets really interesting and where I think Michigan State can kind of dominate, if you will. Um, what Kentucky has right now is an issue of depth and health in their front court. Uh, Nick Richards is the guy who's going to be, he's a junior, 6'11", 250, who a lot of things are going to be hinging on him right now. His ankle is hurt. And if that is the situation they are incredibly thin. I, what I'm reading, it doesn't look like he's going to be able to play, um, but he's got a really good offensive rebounding rate. He played limited minutes, 30% of the minutes last year as a sophomore, but his offensive rebounding rate is sick. Uh, his defensive rebounding rate is just okay. Um, not as good as you'd like for someone his size. 
field goal percentage around 60%, shoots 70% from the free throw line. I would imagine with increased volume, he'll be able to get to the free throw line more. He, he draws, um, let's see, uh, seven fouls for 40 minutes. That's pretty good. Oh no, sorry. He draws five fouls per 40 minutes and he's called for seven fouls. So a little bit of foul trouble issue for him, but uh, he's someone they expect to step into a big, bigger role this year and kind of be that rock in the front court. And he just isn't healthy right now. So behind him, uh, you've got EJ Montgomery, who was a highly recruited freshman last year, who's a big dude and played some minutes for them down the stretch and, and is you know good offensive rebounder, can block some shots, but just isn't figuring it out reportedly right now. Like it's just hasn't had a good preseason. It reminds me honestly of Marcus Bingham. The way they're talking about him reminds me of that. They're like, if he could just put it together, we need him. He's got to be able to put it together for us. He can do so much. He can block shots. He can shoot. He's big. He's rangy. Um, but he just isn't sort of figuring it out based on what I'm reading here. So it reminds me a lot of that. So there might be a case of a couple of bigs trying to figure out how to cash in on this big potential they have between EJ Montgomery and Marcus Bingham Jr. Uh, so that could be really interesting to watch, if, especially if Nick Richards is out. And then the other guy that is someone I think we're going to see a lot of and is going to be a pain in the butt uh, here is Nate Sestina. He's a grad transfer from Bucknell. I don't remember a ton of him from when Michigan State played them in the tournament a couple of years ago, but I remember like the name. Um, but he's 6'9", 235. Uh, he's been their top rebounder here in the, the exhibition season. Uh, and he can step outside and shoot it. He shot uh, a, a pretty good rate uh, from three last year, 38% on decent volume, 108 attempts. So about three three a game um, from that forward slash center position. So we'll see if he's on Kithier or Tillman or what they, they decide to do. Because Michigan State's going to be playing a couple bigs here. And if... There ends up a point where Kithier is matched up on one of these freshman wings. Uh, if if anyone really, if, if Kithier Tillman are matched up on these these freshman wings, Michigan State's gonna have a big advantage there. Um, especially if like you know Kithier can get on the offensive glass, if if Tillman can get on the offensive glass. So we'll see how Kentucky's matching. That's something to watch early. Uh, what size Kentucky's using because. Generally, when you face a team like Kentucky, unless you're Carolina, uh, unless you're Duke, you're like, okay, everyone's bigger than everyone on their everyone on their team is bigger at every position than everyone on my team. That's just kind of how it goes when you recruit everyone who's huge, but it's just not the case this year. Um, Kentucky's going to be an athletic team. I don't know that they're going to be that big unless they kind of figure some things out. In the front court, they're really, they've got good guards. They've got three good guards. They've got some really young, interesting wings. They've got a stable center in a grad transfer, and then a guy who's hurt and might be a decent contributor, and then a, a fresh or a sophomore who didn't have a good freshman season is kind of trying to figure it out. And that's kind of, that that's where they're at right now. So it's an interesting matchup. I think it's one where Michigan State can definitely have some advantages down low and sort of if you want to call the guards a push, maybe an advantage for Michigan State because Cassius, you know, give the slight advantage to Kentucky with the wings because their upside's a little bit higher. And you got, you know, a guy like Keon Brooks, who's such a good recruit, uh, a guy like Khalil Whitney, who's such a good recruit, you know, maybe eventually down the road, 
<laughs> that's something that's a really big advantage. But right now, early in the season, their first true game of their college career, that's something that you can't totally rely on yet. So I think it's a really interesting matchup. And I think watching the, the bigs to start the game is it's what I'm going to be doing. And I want to see how Kentucky comes out if uh, EJ Washington is starting or if it's a Cessna at center at 6'9 and then two uh, sort of wing types and two guards or a wing type playing power forward and then three guards from there, kind of an undersized lineup. Uh, Because I think Michigan State, even when they're playing bigger, uh, can really move a lot. And when you swap out, you know, Kithier for Bingham or Kithier for Gay Brown or Kithier for Malik Hall. They get even more athletic and mobile and switchable uh, on the defensive end. And so it's really going to be uh, exciting to see how Michigan State plays this. Uh, I like the forward matchup, like I said, and I think that's something that could prove to be the difference here. Uh, but you never know. It's <laughs> the first game of the season. Maybe these Kentucky freshmen are just ready for prime time. Uh, and come out and you're like, oh, crap, they're going to be really good. Um, and maybe it's like last year where they're just not ready at all and they totally crap the bed. But I'm, I'm hoping it's an exciting game, hoping it's a good game, and, and it's just going to be a lot of really interesting things at play here. We'll talk more about this tomorrow uh, with Sheehan, but we'll also do some lighter things as well. So that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Threw a lot of information at you there. Hope I didn't go too fast, and I hope you retain some of it. Um, just remember, Kentucky has good guards. They're weak up front. They've got good wings that are young. Hagens, Maxi, quickly, those are the guys we're going to look out for in the backcourt. Cessna up front, and then uh, some good wings that are you know Whitney and Keon Brooks uh, as true freshmen. So should be a really good one. I'm excited for it. Sheehan will be on with us. Uh, I think I'll show tomorrow to talk about this game so that's that's the plan that's what we're doing reminder to rate review and subscribe to the podcast it's the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day check out spartans wire for our basketball preview posts all right that'll do it for us back tomorrow with another episode we'll talk to you then